Now that we know what make up a difficult conversation and the right directions and attitudes we should take in response to them, we can now move on to tackle difficult conversations. To be specific, what should we do during difficult conversations? How should we get started? What should we pay attention to during the conversation? And how should we end it? The authors advise us to follow the following practical steps. First, clarify the purpose of the conversation. Second, start with a neutral opening. Third, listen carefully to what the other person has to say and express your own thoughts clearly. And fourth, reframe the conversation when it reaches a dead end. First, let's look at how to clarify the purpose of the conversation. Only with a clear purpose can a conversation stay on track. Do we think about the purpose of the conversation every time we start one? Sometimes a conversation happens without notice. We may not have figured out what to say before it starts, or the conversation may end before we actually understand what we've been talking about. Sometimes, we start a conversation with a purpose, but then lose track of it as soon as we open our mouths. Take this case as an example, because a child plays so many video games that his grades begin to drop. His mom complains to her husband, you go out every day. Have you ever given a thought to your kids' studies? What she actually means is for her husband to spend more time with their child and help him with his schoolwork. However, the husband may think she is blaming him for not caring about his family. The right thing to do is to ask yourself before starting a conversation, what do I need, what is my goal? In the previous example, the wife could say, I have to spend a lot of time doing housework, and I am too exhausted to continuously keep our son company. Can you go out less and stay with him more? His teacher told me that kids get addicted to video games when they feel lonely. Be clear about your needs so that the other person can better understand you and cooperate. Moreover, we must not start a conversation with an unachievable goal. If your goal in the conversation is to change the other person, then the other person would certainly feel rather resistant and be reluctant to talk with you. Just imagine, would you easily change your values and beliefs just because of someone else's words? We can influence others, but in terms of changing them, few can succeed. Besides, we should also avoid conversations that bring no results. Take this example, though an employee is always late and the manager can't tolerate it anymore, the next time she catches him late, she only briefly says, you are late again, and walks away. A conversation such as this simply cannot reach any goal. In a word, before we start a conversation, we must be clear about our needs and goals so that both sides can work toward the same direction. The next step to tackling difficult conversations is to tell the third story, from a neutral stance. It allows both sides with different stories to sign on to the same description of what is going on. All beginnings are difficult. In a difficult conversation, the most stressful part is to get it started. Some openings just push the conversation directly into crisis. Consider this example. When a teacher says to a parent, your kid is such a troublemaker in class and he fights with his classmates. You said last time that you would discipline him, but I still don't see any progress. The parent would feel both hurt and angry by these words. Immediately, they will either fight back or take up a protective stance. As a result, the conversation wouldn't proceed into a productive direction. To change the result of such a conversation, the authors suggest that we take the third-story approach. By taking the stance of a third party, we can be more objective. 
we should invite the other person to join the exploration of the issue and try to find a solution together. Take this example, during a meeting, a colleague from another department blames you for not cooperating, which makes you turn bitter. As such, you come to him after the meeting and question him with an accusatory tone, John, how could you say that in front of the supervisor? Are you picking on me? Such an opening is from your side of the story, arising from your embarrassment of the situation. Using this approach will only result in resistance or a counterattack from the other person. And what would happen if you take the third story approach by instead saying something like this, John, I'd like to talk about the meeting this morning, because something you said made me quite upset. You know, as each department has their own jobs, I'd like you to know more about the regulations of my department. And I'd like to know what you think, or maybe you can talk about the obstacles blocking our cross-departmental collaboration. With opening lines from the third story, you take the stance of an observer, and point out that conflicts happen as each department has different tasks. By doing so, the other person would be more willing to talk with you. Now let's turn to the third step of tackling difficult conversations. During a conversation, it is important to attentively listen to what the other person has to say, and to clearly express our own thoughts. Communication is a two-way process. Only when both sides understand each other, can we reach an agreement. Good communication requires both being attentive to the other person's words, and making your thoughts clear. There are three primary skills for better listening. The first one is inquiring with open-ended questions. By doing so, we can prompt the other person to speak further and provide more topics and information. Consider the following two sentences. What a great day. Are you going to visit somewhere? And what a great day. Any plans? The previous one is a close-ended question, and the answer to it may be a simple yes or no, and the conversation then ends. The latter one is instead open-ended, to which one can answer in whatever way he or she likes, and thus we get to learn more about the other person's thoughts. The second skill is paraphrasing, which is when you use your own words to express your understanding of what the other person is saying. An example would be something along the lines of, were you just saying that you'd like us to provide a pickup service? We can use this method to check our understanding and show the other person that we have listened. The third skill is acknowledging the other person's feelings. Take this example, an employee is unhappy about his transfer to another department, so he brings this complaint to his supervisor, I've been working diligently for our department. Why am I the only one being transferred? It's not fair. While the supervisor replies, you sound angry. You don't like the job transfer, do you? Of course this may make you feel bad, as you've always been loyal to your department, while you are still the one being transferred. I know exactly how you feel at the moment. In situations like this, we should first acknowledge the other person's feelings and soothe them, before we move on into our conversation. After listening, how can we express ourselves clearly? Here, we also have three skills to use. First, speak the heart of the matter, don't make the other person guess. In a difficult conversation, communication through subtext may not help, and may even become counterproductive if your real thoughts get misunderstood. Consider this example, your partner is recently showing less attention towards you. You have tried to implicitly bring it up, but receive no response. Therefore, you start to show your discontent through sarcasm whenever you have the opportunity. You start to say things like, you're such a rare guest at our house. 
I see my social media friends more times than I see you. What you really want to say is, I hope you can spend more time with me. But as a result of your sarcasm, your partner becomes even more distant. Next, don't present your conclusion as the truth. For example, you disagree with your friend on the issue of hitting children. If you state your view as the truth and impose it on your friend, saying, hitting children is simply wrong, no matter what, you risk escalating your disagreement into an irreconcilable conflict. Your friend may mistake your words as an accusation, and hence refuse to discuss the subject with you calmly. The conversation could be better if you change your wording. You can instead say, I've read several books that say hitting children is harmful to them, or even, I was spanked as a child, and I feel sad and frightened whenever I hear of a child being hit. Statements like these express your points and feelings without making your friend feel offended. Another conversational skill is avoiding exaggeration with words like always, never, or all the time. Listen to these expressions. Why do you always criticize my clothes, you never encourage me? Or, you criticize me all the time. Words like this make your accusations even harsher and more disagreeable, providing the other person more reason to object to them by saying, I don't always do that. Or, how do I do it every time? That's not true. A conversation such as this can easily become a heated argument. The fourth step to tackling a difficult conversation is by reframing it. This will help you break any deadlock. And what does reframing mean? A difficult conversation sometimes proceeds in a direction that is of no help in solving the problem by focusing on blaming each other, or, the other person instead dominates the narrative of the conversation and has no intention to follow your lead. This is when the conversation enters a deadlock. Then what should we do? The book tells us that we can reframe the conversation. By doing so, we bring the conversation back on track and change its direction. Reframing means taking the essence of what the other person says and translating it into more helpful concepts. Specifically, we translate it into concepts from the three conversations framework, the what happened, conversation, the feelings conversation, and the identity conversation. Then, we invite the other person to solve the issue together. Moreover, we should make sure to lead the conversation. Reframing works on all fronts. You can reframe anything the other person says to move towards an informative conversation. Consider this example, the other person gets stuck in a who's right and who's wrong mindset. They keep saying, I'm right, and there are no other way. At this moment, you need to guide them out of the confrontational mindset, so they can see the issue from a different angle. Here is how you can reframe the conversation, I want to make sure I understand your perspective. You obviously feel very strongly about it. I'd also like to share my perspective on the situation. Let's take another example, the other person is very emotional and says, you are the nastiest person I've ever met. What you need to do in response is to acknowledge their feelings. You should reframe it like this, it sounds like you're feeling really bad. I know how you feel right now, but I have no intention to hurt you. Can you talk a bit more about your feelings? Then, when they calm down, you can restart the conversation again. Consider one more example, the other person says, I'm not a bad neighbor. When they say so, you should realize that they feel as if their self-identity is being offended. To avoid the conversation from escalating into a confrontation, here is a way you can reframe it, heavens, I don't think you are either, and I certainly hope you don't think I'm a lousy neighbor as well. 
I do think that we disagree about how this should be handled, and I think that's pretty normal between two good neighbors. The question is whether we can work together to figure out how to address both of our concerns. Of course, one sentence alone is unlikely to turn the tide. It requires persistence and patience to reframe a conversation and keep it on a productive track.